Good morning, good Monday morning to you. Welcome to the show, Shows Let's Talk. My name is Mike. Email address, if you want to, is letstalkmike1 at gmail.com. Let's talk, M-I-K-E, the number one at gmail.com. How you like that song, Lowrider? Now, <laughs> for years, and I mean for years, I always thought... <laughs> You know, don't bother looking anything up there, Dupa. But anyways, I always thought Santana sang that song. Just seemed like that would be the kind of song that the band Santana would sing. But apparently not. It's actually uh, from the band War in 1975. Wow. <laughs> I'm dating myself. 1975, Lowrider. And uh, Friday's song was the song War. And I like that in that movie. Oh, what is it there? Um, Rush Hour, <laughs> when he's trying to teach the, uh, what is it, Jackie Khan, Jackie Chan? Anyways, how to say war in the ghetto type language. <laughs> no, war. <laughs> or no, y'all. What's up, y'all? <laughs> anyway, lowrider. So when I first got the Marines, I lived in the Southwest for a brief period of time. And they had lowriders. And I was like, what the heck is that? Absolutely something to see if you've never seen one. It's pretty cool. They got like 20 batteries in the trunk. <laughs> Talk about trunk space. But they were full-size cars back in the day. So, you know, there's that. Speaking of full-size cars or back in the day, uh, I was recently in town, and I came outside of this one uh, store and as soon as I came out, I heard the engine come to life, and I immediately looked, and there it was, a 1973 Chevelle in mint shape. Oh, 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 it just doesn't get any better than that. And then yesterday, um, I saw a 70, 
a 76 Camaro, and he lit the tires up for me. <laughs> but again, you know, when those engines started up, man, you knew that was a big block engine underneath the hood. They just purred. Oh, it was so sweet. I had a 67 GTX, first car I ever owned. Car wouldn't go from here to there without eating up all the gas, but boy, I'll tell you what. She was a smooth-sounding car. All right, enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Hope you had a good weekend. I went to church yesterday, and to be honest with you, I completely, totally forgot what the pastor spoke about. Isn't that terrible? But anyways... <laughs> I kind of fall asleep at church. I have a bad habit of doing that. But I'm so relaxed and comfortable listening to the pastor speak. The next thing I know, oh, thank you for coming and goodbye. And I'm going, wait a minute, what happened to the to the uh, sermon? So anyway, it is what it is. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. This podcast is called Exodus 12. So you're going to have to look it up. Oh, my gosh, you're going to have to do some homework. Look it up. Exodus 12. Let's start with our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, from the moment of creation to this very moment now, you're on the throne. You're in charge, Lord. And no matter how crazy and how evil and how insane and no matter how far into the, the cesspool of sin, Lord, we go, that this world goes, Lord, we know that you have a plan. And we know, Lord, that your plan unfolds each and every day. And we just thank you that we are part of your plan, Lord, in a good way. That we have been reconciled to you through your son, Jesus Christ. That when all is over, Lord, all the suffering, all the death, all the crying, will be with you in your kingdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. I got to take a sip of coffee. Hang on a second. And that's that. Made myself chicken parm yesterday. I got to tell you, <laughs> I outdid myself. It came out so good. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> it came out so good. I am looking forward to lunch today because, oh, yeah. As an Italian, you don't make just a little bit. You make a lot so that you have what? Oh, yeah, leftovers. So leftover chicken parm for lunch. I can't wait. Anyway, enough of the nonsense. Let's get on to our scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. You see, we're always going to triumph in Christ. There's no doubt about And even though it might seem like we're losing the battle, you know, like, how could this become a victory? It is a victory. It will be a victory. We just got to wait for it to happen. And that's the greatness of it. When it happens, then all of a sudden you realize that it did, and you go, oh, Oh, you know, and you're just uh, overwhelmed with joy. So there's that. Once is not enough. That's the headline on this one. Once is not enough. So guess what? Biden's gender fluid appointee charged for stealing more luggage. So this energy department appointee, uh, gender fluid, oh, man, 
cross-dressing drag queen is in the news again for stealing the luggage. Arrest warrant. Hello. And now more than $3,600 worth of jewelry goes with it. Excuse me. Excuse me. I am so sorry. And makeup and contact lenses and clothing and blah, 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 blah. So the gender fluid thing, the transgender thing, the abortion thing, the marriage thing, these are all sins in the eyes of God, every single one of them. Taken singularly, you know, you might say to yourself, well, that's not too bad. Well, (laughs) collectively, it adds up to a whole lot. Here's another one. American Girls' gender transition fairy tale leaves out the ugly truth of what can go catastrophically wrong. So American Girl, I guess, is a doll. The iconic company, once known for bringing out the joy of girlhood, has gone unfortunately woke. And now it teaches young girls how to not be girls. In its book titled Body Image, How to Love Yourself, Live Life to the Fullest, and Celebrate All Kinds of Bodies, American Girl offers a smart girl's guide to socially and medically transitioning from one gender to another. So there's another one, right? God made man and woman, (laughs) distinct individuals. Made man, man. Made woman, woman. So where's the problem? Problem is we want to, you know, or the world wants to redefine God's definitions. The world wants to redefine or rework God's God's will. And all throughout Scripture, I've said it time and time again, you know, this is anti-biblical. These are the reasons why, and you know, multiple reasons why Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, why Nineveh was destroyed, so forth and so on. These are all the very same sins that they committed then, that they've been committing all throughout history. And each and every time God judges them severely, gives them warnings, and they refuse to listen to God's warnings. And so what we have here is the same thing. Same thing going on in our world today as what went on in the world so many times before. So, you got that? Total disconnect. So this just goes to show you, I guess you could say how disconnected the Department of Justice is and how bent on evil that this administration is, they swap a, a, a known terrorist for this basketball player who broke the law in Russia, this woman that I'm speaking of here, all right? Now, you know, I'm glad that she's out, you know, you know, and whatever, you know, but here's the thing, <laughs> where's your values? Where's your values? Even over the Department of Justice, the officials there are calling this death swap a mistake in madness. A Friday report in the Washington Post noted U.S. Department of Justice officials viewed President Joe Biden's prisoner swap a mistake. 
so their own his own Department of Justice is you know kind of going, hey, this time around, Joe, you really messed up. But this is the world we live in. Another side of the times we live in is, and I call this a long list that this will become. It will get much longer. The nightmare before Christmas. Jeep lays off 1,350 workers at an Illinois plant, which builds the Cherokee SUV. After blaming the high cost of switching to electric car production, and they're going to shift their production to Mexico instead. I'm not surprised at that whatsoever. Not whatsoever. So the plant in uh, Belvedere, Illinois, hey, Belvedere, Illinois, guess what? (laughs) That was the first car, a uh, Belvedere, anyways, that I had. So 1,350 workers, you know, no Merry Christmas for them. And this electric vehicle thing, see, this is just another, uh, I can't think of the word, I'm sorry, you know, of this electric car thing. So they're going to switch over to Mexico. Who else is going to follow? Like I said, that list is going to grow longer and longer. Longer and longer and longer. Over and over and over. Let's look at another scripture. Let's get on to the show here. Exodus 12. Matthew 16. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Remember Jonah and the whale? Remember that one? That's what he's talking about. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said that. So the billionaire who thinks he's God and the rise of the World Economic Forum the cabal and their rush to global government. Now, here's a name we're all familiar with, George Soros. And his name is usually preceded by the word, you know, billionaire philanthropist. But there's a problem here. A philanthropist donates money and property to needy individuals and institutions for the purpose of advancing human welfare, security, happiness. Indeed, the anthro root literally means love of mankind. But for decades, however, this Hungarian-born left-wing billionaire, George Soros, has supported, advocated, and bankrolled everything rotten, subversive, destructive, hateful, and evil. All of it. And currently, his name is most often heard in conjunction with radically pro-criminal district attorneys across America. And many of them are involved with spectacular explosions of violent crime that they've enabled in the states where they practice. In short, basically, if it's immoral, subversive, and anti-American, well, you can bet you know Soros favors it. And not only that, but he organizes it and funds it. You see, if it's noble and freedom-producing, like such as free markets and constitutional government, well, he sets up funds and organizations to undermine and destroy it. 
These are the evidences that we are presented, that we are shown, that gives us the opportunity to come to an understanding and a knowledge of what's going on here. So, you know, we have Pelosi and that bunch of nonsensicals in Washington, D.C., and then you have individuals like Soros and any and all other organizations associated with them, and, you know, they're destroying this freedom-producing free market government that we have because they can't control it. They So, therefore, they have to subvert it, destroy it, and then control it. You know, when you consider the pillars of the policy offered by this far-left humanism, this is what you come out with. Assisted suicide. Encouraging children to try LGBTQ. You got abortion. I mean, that should have, you know, been the number one evil in the world. But it's not. They're screaming and yelling and crying still to this very day since the Supreme Court made its decision on abortion. And now they went after marriage. I thank the Lord God that I'm in in the company of those who are breaking the law because I will not, I will not adhere to the new laws. No, sir. And then, of course, again, you got wiping out the national borders with mass immigration and just the thing we need to bring us under this global government. And don't forget letting violent criminals go free without bail. I mean, to tell you, the great evil is so afoot in our age, and we all know it. Reminds me of Moses when he asked who's on the Lord's side. I think we're going to find out before much longer. I think as things move along here, between now and, you know, I hate to get so political on things so many times over, but, you know, between now and 2024, they're just going to continue to destroy and, and conquer as much as they can. And, you know, we find ourselves reeling from the effects of it all. But always remember, as I say in my prayers and I say in my shows, God is on the throne. Jesus is in charge. Let's look at another scripture, moving along to our Exodus 12, Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you can move mountains, as in what it says here. the The analogy, or the 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 lesson here, is the mustard seed is such a teeny tiny seed, and yet if you were to liken it to just that much faith, just that little bit of faith. Nothing is impossible through God unto us. So keep that in mind. When you, when you really feel like you're about as down and out as can be, remember that little mustard seed of faith. That's all you need. Now we see all this new lawlessness and rebellion in every aspect of our society. 
every bit of it, every single bit of it. And although I got to be honest with you, it's tough to watch that um, this America is in decline. And at the same time, you know, you can name any one given global leader that's a part of it. They're trying to make America a liberal, quote-unquote, paradise like Venezuela. And sadly, the result is more like a banana republic. These progressives are attempting to accomplish what every other socialist, communist country has done. Again, they're out to destroy the middle class. They want to obtain unending power. Create a permanent welfare state and total dependence. You see, how else do you, you ask yourself, how else do you explain the rage that's going on, not just in our country, but around the world? Girls can become boys and boys can become girls. Men can join women's sports and change clothes in the ladies' locker rooms. And that's supposed to be normal and healthy? These trans-identifying kids, they've increased by almost a 1,000% in the last two years. That's amazing. Now, how do you explain the love of killing a baby in the womb? How do you explain that? Explain that to me, please. And not just in the womb anymore, but at any stage of life. And now as we see up in Canada, and it's going to be here, trust me when I tell you, euthanasia, assisted suicides, no value for life whatsoever. I guarantee you, my friend, I guarantee you, God is not going to tolerate this much longer. You better buckle in, as they say, and get get ready. <clears throat> so how would you summarize the current state of the church now? Well, let me put this to you. In the last two years, thousands have gone woke, seeker-sensitive, and more. I mean, it's on and on. Social justice has replaced salvation. Social justice. Not anything to do with what you're doing is wrong and you got to stop that behavior, but they try to incorporate that behavior into their norms, into their system, into their way of doing things, instead of repenting of that sin. And so many teach that the, the church is going to make the world a better place and maybe even perfect. You can't bring the kingdom of God onto earth. Jesus is going to do that when he returns. Why don't you let him take care of that? That's his, uh, you know, that's his doing. But we find the sheep are trying to find a solid church. Unfortunately, it's so hard to do. I'm so glad that we found one where we live here. And not only is, you know, a solid church being one that talks about issues of the day and Biblical prophecy. It doesn't make any sense if you can't put one together with the other. Now, you know, a lot of these churches, again, another fallacy is they want to tell that you got your best life now. Well, no. No. 
you see the world and and some in the church are they're literally like the song says dancing with the devil and they don't even know it because the devil's disguised himself in so many different ways that people haven't you know they they no longer recognize him for being what he is because he comes as scripture says as an angel of light You got the social media, which is, it absolutely encourages it, provides a platform. Speaking of which, now you got this Twitter thing, you know, blowing up. Let's see where that goes. And even Christians dabble in things that they, they know they shouldn't be. They know they shouldn't be doing it. And I'll tell you how they know that. Because there's no way that they're doing it and the Holy Spirit isn't talking to them. The Holy Spirit isn't telling them, get out of that. But you see, the problem is Holy Spirit's only going to hold on to you for so long and then he's going to have to let you go because you choose to live in sin. And then, of course, you got the, you know, the worldwide media, you know, onslaught of evil and satanic um, institutions and, and, and features and sights and sounds. In the Commonwealth Games last summer, they had a recreation of the Tower of Babel and a woman riding a beast. And they had people all around it, you know, according to the ceremony, bowing down to the beast. This is all part of the rampant sor sor sorcery talked about in Revelation. And here it is, combined with drugs. There you go. Why do you think the last days look like this, because the Bible said they would. I mean, what did you think they were going to look like? You got to believe the Bible when it calls our times perilous and filled with people possessing selfish, reckless motives. God is orchestrating events to wind up this amazing drama known as this church age. You see, I called this show or the, this podcast, Exodus 12, because that's where it talks about leaven. Leaven is what's used in baking. And the smallest, smallest, smallest amount of leaven can affect the whole batch. All right? It says, um, it says in um, Luke chapter 13, Jesus says this, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leaven. You see, the smallest bit of leaven affects the whole batch. Affects the entire batch. I know when my wife bakes, puts this little bit of leaven in there, and man, I'll tell you, that little blob of dough rises up into this, you know, whole other thing, I guess you could call it. It's kind of amazing to watch as the leaven does its thing. In Matthew 13, it also goes on to say, which indeed, this is about the mustard seed again, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. See again, that little, that little seed 
that little seed becomes this great herb that becomes this tree and that the birds of the air can lodge in the branches and find safety and raise their, their hatchlings. Again, you'll have two different things here. You have one, which is good, this tiny little seed. That's a good thing, right? This mustard seed, this face the size of a mustard seed, a good little thing. And then you have 11, which is a bad thing, you know, when it comes to what the Lord is speaking about. And this is how sin is affecting our world. This is how sin affects our lives. You might think you might not think much about it because it's just a little bit. But again, it affects the whole batch. We live in an age that's going to soon and I think very soon experience God's presence in the natural world to a degree most of us have never seen, heard or felt. And that's why I think the church is going to be more surprised really than the secular world when God shows up in our world. He's going to remove the usurpers from their positions of power. He's going to install those who he has chosen for this time and execute judgment upon those who attempt to move his cosmic clock ahead to achieve their own delusions. Their delusions of grandeur. Read the book of Exodus in the Bible, and as you do, try to overlay the captivity and slavery of the Jews under Pharaoh with the experience of those living, of us living in supposedly free nations today. Read the New Testament where you read about Rome being in charge and the Jews living under Rome. God says in his written word that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If he saved his people from Egypt, why would he not save his people in the modern nations of today, especially if those nations turn to witchcraft and worship the evil to gain power over their fellow citizens? Why wouldn't he? God's the same yesterday, as today, and tomorrow. God has clearly laid out his plan for salvation for all those that call upon his name. It says in the scriptures, call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. Plain and simple, easy peasy. Don't wait another day to call upon the name of the Lord because you might not have another day to call. And in the end, there's no second chance. So take the chance and take the opportunity you have today. Hey, thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you like that song, Low Rider. I had a request for uh, play the whole song. You tempt us with the beginning of a song or a section of a song, and we want to hear the whole song. So, <laughs> okay, you asked for it, you got it, my loyal listeners. Anyways, thanks again for listening. God bless everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>